I'm Mario Nasanovich, and joining me today on the Clinician's Roundtable is Dr. Kara Rood. We'll discuss her focus in maternal fetal medicine and focus our conversation on a complex disease in pregnancy that is difficult to diagnose, the progressive disease of preeclampsia. Dr. Kara Rood is a board-certified OBGYN specializing in maternal fetal medicine at The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center in Columbus, Ohio. We'll be discussing the symptoms and diagnosis of preeclampsia. Evidence tells us that preeclampsia is truly a dynamic process and difficult to diagnose. We'll discuss some of Dr. Rood's recent research with her colleagues on a simple, rapid, non-invasive test for early recognition of preeclampsia. Dr. Rood, welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you about such a complicated topic that can produce such devastating adverse outcomes for both mother and children. Thank you so very much for having me. So what is preeclampsia and uh, what causes this uh, progressive disease? Preeclampsia is a disease that occurs in pregnancy or the immediate postpartum period after preeclampsia. It's normally characterized by elevated blood pressure, protein in the urine, and symptoms of different organ systems that it affects, such as headache, changes in vision, right upper quadrant pain, when it affects the liver and the kidneys. Preeclampsia itself is known very much as a disease of hypothesis. I would say none of us exactly know the underlying cause of preeclampsia. We do infer that it has to do with abnormal functioning of the placenta. However, the exact mechanism is not known. So who gets preeclampsia and how common is the disease? About 8 to 10% of pregnancies are complicated by preeclampsia. It is somewhat difficult to predict who indeed is going to get it, but there are some known risk factors, such as women with a history of preeclampsia, women with a history of high blood pressure, first pregnancies, as well as ones with multiples like twins and triplet pregnancies. When does this occur during pregnancy? Majority of the diagnosis of preeclampsia comes in the third trimester of pregnancy. However, it can happen anytime after 20 weeks, and some of the earlier onset preeclampsia are some of the more concerning and more progressive forms of the disease. How many women would you say have signs or symptoms of preeclampsia during their pregnancy that may require medical attention? Depending on the population that you serve, um, the population that I most likely look after is the high-risk population, and there about 25 to 30 percent of those women have some signs or symptoms that could be concerning for preeclampsia. Okay, so I understand that there's actually two forms of preeclampsia, and there are also other forms of hypertensive disorders of pregnancy. So what's the difference between preeclampsia, toxemia, PET, and PIH? Well, currently the working definitions of them are kind of the hypertensive diseases of pregnancy spectrum, whereas those range from gestational hypertension, meaning just high blood pressure in pregnancy, to preeclampsia without severe features, to preeclampsia with severe features, and then a progressive form called HELP disease. Pregnancy-induced hypertension and toxemia are some of the past definitions and terminology that we use. So now we have HELP syndrome. As you mentioned, it's it's one of the most severe forms of preeclampsia. It can occur in about 5 to 12% of preeclamptic patients. Tell us a little bit more about this syndrome and uh, do you truly see it in, in 5 to 12% of your patients? HELP is definitely a more severe form of um, preeclampsia as it is characterized by elevated liver functions tests as well as low platelet. And once we've identified this, delivery has to occur pretty quickly thereafter, given a high risk of rupture of the liver capsule and spontaneous bleeding secondary to low platelets. We know this is a very complicated topic. And certainly, as I mentioned earlier, it can produce uh, very devastating adverse outcomes uh, for both mother and child. What's the impact of preeclampsia in terms of the health to the mother? 
and the unborn child? Pregnancy itself um, is the number one reason of why we as providers initiate preterm births here in the United States of America. Uh, therefore, it does have all of the risks associated with prematurity for the unborn child. Also, it increases the risk of placental abruption, which can result in stillbirth for the child. Um, and then for the mother herself, not identifying preeclampsia early and it progressing to some of the worsening states can cause eclamptic seizures um, as well as stroke for the mother. Recent evidence uh, strongly suggests that preeclampsia is also attached with uh, later life cardiovascular events for these women. So this is not just an issue restricted during their pregnancy uh, or their postpartum period. This is something that could potentially come back uh, in another form later in their life. Yes, and that's one of the new focuses on preeclampsia, with emphasis on some of the primary care providers and internal medicine providers asking us questions about prior pregnancies, identifying women whose pregnancies were complicated with preeclampsia, therefore so they can screen appropriately due to that risk of cardiovascular disease later in life. For those just joining us on the Clinician's Roundtable, this is Mario Nasinovich on ReachMD. I'm with Dr. Kara Rood, a specialist in the area of maternal fetal medicine at The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. We spoke earlier about getting to understand a bit about the disease of preeclampsia and its impact. Now we're going to shift to how preeclampsia is actually currently diagnosed and discuss some of the recent newsworthy events uh, with the release of data regarding a diagnostic that uh, Dr. Rood and her colleagues have been focused on. But first, help us understand how patients with preeclampsia are currently diagnosed. Currently, we do screening at routine prenatal visits where blood pressures are obtained and for a majority of the patients, we're still obtaining a urine dipstick to assess for protein in the urine. Um, if any of these factors are identified, then we do a symptom screen asking about some of the common symptoms like headache, changes of vision, right upper quadrant pain. And if at this point here we have a suspicion for preeclampsia, then they would undergo some serial blood pressure monitoring, a collection of a larger volume of urine to assess for protein, as well as a venipuncture. Um, to assess their liver functions, their kidney functions, and their platelets. Dr. Rood, can you speak to how difficult this is to diagnose at its current stage? Given our increasing complexity of our patients with um, more comorbidities, with hypertension, underlying kidney disease, um, the diagnosis of preeclampsia has become a bit more challenging as a lot of these other diseases can produce the exact same signs and symptoms of preeclampsia. Therefore, it makes it challenging from a physician standpoint to ensure that it's preeclampsia and that delivery is warranted rather than just a flare of their underlying disease, which can be managed by medication and to continue with the pregnancy. That, that's actually a great segue to my next question because I, I understand preeclampsia is called the disease of exceptions and the great masquerader which are great monikers attached to this, because it can look like so many other diseases, uh, symptoms not specific, and it doesn't behave consistently. Sometimes it takes longer to progress. Other times it progresses to dangerous levels almost instantly. Tell us uh, and the audience a little bit how this progresses. How does preeclampsia actually progress? It is very difficult to predict how preeclampsia is going to progress. Um, we do know that the earlier that the disease is present, a lot of the times that progresses a lot faster, whereas people who are diagnosed later in the pregnancy near the end of it, um, those ones don't seem to progress as quickly. Um, and that may be due to the fact that at that point there, we recommend delivery for them. How difficult is it to rule out and address some of the various underlying conditions? Um, it can be very challenging. You can imagine we don't want to get it wrong because of the devastating effects of preeclampsia if we do misdiagnose it. So as a provider, there's many a times that we try to weigh the risk and benefits 
um, to try to get the mother and the baby to a, a gestational age where um, they will both have favorable outcomes, but it is very challenging. How important is it for yourself and for your, some of your colleagues uh, to address the underlying conditions that are being presented? I think it's very important with the invention of electronic medical records. We are fortunate to at least have some of the prior history of women, but it does take an investigative tact to um, figure out if somebody does have underlying chronic hypertension as the women don't always know themselves that they've been diagnosed with this, um, especially in some of the populations where routine medical care is not something that they have participated in prior to pregnancy. Before we discuss the specifics of your recent research, can you tell us about the collection of proteins that are misfolded and aggregate together in urine of women who have preeclampsia? This is a very fascinating finding. We know that protein are in the urine of women with preeclampsia. However, we did not understand a confirmation in the misfolded part of these proteins in the urine. Um, and that's what was identified in the basic science component prior to creating this um, point of care test that women with preeclampsia, their proteins are actually misfolded in their urine. Um, in comparison to women without preeclampsia, they do not have these misfolded proteins. And one of the most interesting parts about the misfolded proteins is the ability for it to um, attach to this Congo red dye, which is kind of the premises of the test. What is the role of the Congo red dot rapid paper test or CRD paper test in identifying this collection of proteins? Given the misfolded confirmation of these proteins, um, the red Congo red dye has the ability to attach to them, and that makes this test very specific for these misfolded proteins um, in the urine of women with preeclampsia, whereas other non-misfolded proteins the Congo red dye would not attach to. So you recently conducted a rather pragmatic study in 346 consecutive pregnant patients. What did you and your colleagues uncover in your research? We identified that we, as physicians, do have a lot of uncertainty in diagnosing preeclampsia, where out of the 346 women that presented 217, about 63% of them were admitted to the hospital for further evaluation to determine if they did or did not have preeclampsia. When we looked at this population, too, we um, found out that the test was superior to other biomarkers and was much more closely able to predict um, the diagnosis of preeclampsia based on providers reviewing the charts and also giving a diagnosis of preeclampsia. Um, and it actually showed a sensitivity of 80%, specificity of 89%, with a negative predictive value of 92%. And I think the most impressive part is that it had an 87% accuracy to correctly diagnose preeclampsia. So everyone involved in these studies were blinded to the test results. The providers, the nurses, patients themselves, each diagnosis of each of these patients was independently adjudicated. Why was this such an important aspect of this research? It really does help minimize bias and ensure that the results are true results. If we knew the results of the test, and especially for us that have worked with the test and had the confidence in the fact that we know that the test works, uh, we may be less likely to diagnose someone with preeclampsia if we knew the test was negative. Or for those more challenging cases where we're on the fence, is it preeclampsia or is it another medical condition, um, that test may have swayed our management and while hopefully once this test is approved for use, that will help guide management, uh, we needed to undergo the studies without that bias involved to ensure the accurate results. You and your colleagues were working with a prototype of the Congo Red Dot Rapid Paper Test that is currently under clinical development. Can you tell us a little bit about the trial that is currently underway? Yeah, um, so since the results of our study 
was extremely promising, and it does support the value of non-invasive point-of-care congo-red-urine diagnostic tests to establish or rule out preeclampsia in the clinical setting. Um, due to that, the enrollment for a large multi-center U.S. trial um, supported by Just Vision has already actually achieved one-third of its target goal, and we're hoping that upon successful completion of this trial, the Just Vision plans to seek an FDA pre-market clearance for the Just Assured test. And while there are no current foreseeable barriers with the FDA, progress can obviously always be affected by risks and uncertainties relating to the number of other important factors, which could include requests for more analysis, or our ability to enroll patients in the study. That's a great way to round out our discussion with Dr. Rood. We have discussed her recent work in the diagnosis of preeclampsia, and we've certainly learned uh, quite a bit about the signs and symptoms of this incredibly complex and progressive disease that is also associated with later life cardiovascular events. We also were able to hear about her latest research in how a simple urine test could save lives of both mothers and unborn children. I want to thank my guest, Dr. Rood, for joining me today on the Clinician's Roundtable. Dr. Rood, it was great having you on the program. Thank you for sharing not only your thoughts, but on behalf of all of us, thank you for your truly life-saving research and for all the work you do each day in maternal fetal medicine. I certainly want to wish you and your colleagues much continued success. I know so many lives are depending on it. Thank you so much. I'm Mario Nasinovich. To access this episode of the Clinician's Roundtable and others focusing on women's health and some of the pioneering work uh, to advance maternal fetal medicine, I invite you to visit reachmd.com where you can be part of the knowledge. Thank you for listening.